Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Yodia and I implore Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and know how to be abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are out of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Praise God for his word. Amen. About 10 years ago, I was on a hike. I was in Tanzania with my buddy Johnny Hauk and for a fundraiser to see the Bible translated into the Swahili language for the fire Bible, we decided we were going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. It would take about seven days. And as we were climbing up the mountain, we had a wonderful time. Uh, but we got to the final leg of our hike and we got into summit camp. And we knew we were only going to sleep there for about a few hours before we would summit to the mountain. And after dinner, we were hanging out outside of our tent and our guide came up to us and he said, show me your socks. And I was like, show you our socks. I'm not going to show you my dirty private socks. And, uh, but he goes, it's important that I see your socks. 
And so we showed him our socks. And I said, why do you want to know about our socks? And he said, well, I have taken groups up to the final leg of this climb to the summit. And because if you have the wrong kinds of socks, if they are just cotton thin socks, you're probably going to be miserable. You may not even make it. It's important that you have warm wool socks. And he began to inspect all of our equipment and our gear and our apparel and what we were wearing, our coats and our jackets. And it was at that moment that I became very aware that I was going to have to make a choice. Would I choose to, uh, to, to worry, to be a little nervous? Because we were a long ways from anywhere. And, and we were going to be woken up at 2 in the morning and go up to the summit where there is very little oxygen at 19,000 feet, where the temperature would be about negative 25 degrees. And, and it, it was, you know, the, the temptation was there. And so I was going to be tempted to either worry or I was going to choose to trust in my guide. You see, for six days, my guide got me over our first day where I got incredibly sick. I had food poisoning to start off our journey. I hadn't eaten anything in two days. I was throwing up. It was terrible. And so I was very weak going into our first evening of camp. But my guide brought me something made of a flower I never heard before. And I didn't know if it was, I didn't care, but I trusted and ended up getting a lot better. And every day he would provide us with food from our porters. He would provide enough shelter that we could sleep well at night. And so it dawned on me at that final leg at summit camp that I could choose to trust in my guide to get us to the summit. And he did. And we successfully summited and made it back down safely to home. Today I look around and, and, and you know, we're living in a very difficult age. It, 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 times are uncertain. There is a threat against our physical bodies. There's a threat against our, 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 um, our finances. There's a threat to our relationships. There's a, there's a lot of unrest. And what concerns me is I see a lot of Christians who are worrying. A lot of Christians who are isolated. A lot of Christians who are tempted to, to hit the panic button. And as a result, I'm seeing life being robbed from fellow brothers and sisters. I'm seeing something that's modeled for your children and, and unfortunately modeled to people in our, in our world and in our city and our community who are not saved. And they see people who are nervous and who are worried and who are anxious. And it makes me wonder when people look at us and they see us who are worried and anxious, do we put our trust in these finances or in the future or in our health or in our wealth? Or do we put our trust in God? Because you have to make a decision, right? Jesus said you can't serve both God and mammon or money. You've got to make a choice. Either God is in control or he's not. God can be trusted or not. And so you have to put your trust in the Lord or in these other, in the, these other things. But if you put your trust in these other things, your foundation is going to be rattled. It's not going to be secure. Let's go to the word of God. Turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter four. I'm so glad that you're here in the presence of the Lord, or you've joined us online for the finale of our soapbox series. We are looking at the soap method of studying the Bible. We're modeling for you what we hope that you're privately doing every day in your life. There is no way that you can become a devoted follower of Jesus if you're not abiding with the Lord. And so I'd ask that you would consider this method of studying the Bible, that you would read scripture, whether it be a chapter or multiple chapters in the Bible, and you would choose one scripture, 
write out in your notes or your journal some observations, and then write out your application. How are you going to make this practical to everyday living? And then finish it with prayer. So we're going to do that by focusing in Scripture on Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. The Word of God says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for what? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We elevate it. It is of supreme importance. It is a gift to us. And I pray that we would never take for granted your holy words. God, it is our treasure. And Father, we pray that your words would come alive in our hearts even now. That we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word. Lord, you've given us your peace as a gift, but we have to do our part in keeping this peace. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us make practical this word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So let's make some observations about this scripture. So the author of this book is who? Paul. And who is he writing to? The church in Philippi, right? And it was during this time that they were suffering great persecution. There was a lot of oppression. The church had to go underground and they were struggling. Paul knew this and he was encouraging them. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen these words that we have just read, that they can have peace, that they can rejoice even during the most difficult of times. Now, it's very interesting and important for us to know where Paul is writing from. Where is he writing from when he wrote this letter? He was from, he was in prison, right? He didn't even know if he was going to live the very next day. He had done a lot of missionary work, starting churches. And as a result of this, he was in prison and being persecuted because of his faith in Christ, but he would not be distracted. He was rejoicing and he had the peace of God. He was writing this. He had the moral authority. He He had the credibility and he never went out of his way to say, hey, I'm in prison, but he had the peace of God. Peace with God will lead to the peace of God. And he had that. And he was hoping that, and he was praying that the church in Philippi and and, in us today would have this peace as well. God wants you to be free from anxiety. He wants you to be free from fear and from worry. Now, it's important to understand that there's there's gonna be things that happen in our life. Every day, we have an opportunity to be tempted to worry, don't we? (laughs) And so there's a human response. There's an emotion that, when we, if we worry for a moment or we're concerned about something, that's not sin. That's a human response. But there's a difference. How I many of you know there's a difference between being concerned or initially worrying about something and giving ourselves over to it? And that's where we can miss the mark when, when the, the concern turns to worry, turns to anxiety, it turns to depression, and we're crippled and we can't think straight and our focus is blurry. As we're not able to see the Lord. We're not able, able to see the word of God or see our world with the right perspective because we've given over to worry and it's robbing us of our peace and our joy. And that's not God's will for our life. So he's given us from the word of God, a way that we can deal with worry. He gives us a way that we can 
we can handle anything that we face in life. Because in life, we are gonna have trials, right? We're gonna have uncertain times. There's gonna be problems. But there's a way that you can deal with it in a way that you can live with victory, that you can live with joy. How many of you wanna have more peace in your life? You wanna have this supernatural gift in your life. So no matter what you face or whatever the temptation, you can still have this inner peace that says, you know what, God's got this. In fact, look over to a friend sitting next to you or your spouse and say, don't worry, God's got this. (laughs) You either believe that or you don't. And how you live your life will prove this to be true. So let's make the word of God very applicable. Here's some practical ways that we can have peace of God. Let's look at Philippians chapter four. Let's back up and look at verse four. This is the theme of the entire book of Philippians. It says, rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And again, I say rejoice. I I believe that joy is a precursor to peace. Because if you can have joy in your life, if you can choose joy, again, we know that joy is not dependent upon your circumstances, right? It's dependent upon Jesus, upon the presence of the Lord. And we can have joy during difficult times. And if you can have joy, if you can have fun, if if you can have the supernatural joy of the Lord in your life, then that's a precursor to peace. The fruit of the Spirit, what are they? Love, what? Joy, peace, right? I I believe, it's my opinion, that these three are the most important fruit of the Spirit. And I believe they're listed in important order. We know the first Corinthians says there's no greater than love, right? Than joy and peace. So we need to first say, hey, do I have joy in my life? Do, am I having fun? Am I, am I laughing? Is there enough margin in life? Because when you can have joy in your life, it just, it just creates more margin to be able to enjoy the gift of peace in our life. All right, let's look at the next verse, verse five. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, the Lord is at hand is a phrase that Paul would write for the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus. He believes that from this point to now, we're living in the end times. And it's important that we don't live our lives with pride or a harshness, but rather we be gentle and that we are humble. This is very important to having peace. All right. Then let's look at the verse that we are focusing on that I I want to challenge you to memorize. In verse six, it says, be anxious for what? Nothing. It says, don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious for nothing. And some of you are tempted. And you're like, hey, 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 you haven't seen my bank account. You haven't seen what's going on. You haven't seen how my friend here hurt me. There, I can't have peace with this. You know what nothing means? The Greek word for nothing? Nothing. And so we're either going to worry about nothing and put God's word to the test and believe it or not. We can't justify it and say, hey, but you don't understand. This is, this is very difficult. If this person wins on November 3rd, I don't see how I can have peace. You know what? Be anxious for what? Nothing. All right. So be anxious about nothing. Don't worry. And then verse six says, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So we are to pray. And this is very important that we get this. In verse six, it says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. When we come to the Lord in prayer, it's a two-way conversation. We're praying to God, but we're also listening to God. 
And when we come to him in intercession and making requests known on behalf of others, which is called intercession, or even ourselves, and we're saying, Lord, there's these challenges in my life. These are needs in my life. I'm struggling in this area. And we're going to the Lord. Scripture says that we are to do this with what? With thanksgiving. Why should we do this with thanksgiving? Why should we come to him with gratitude? I believe that gratitude, again, is a, when we have a grateful heart and we begin to be thankful for the blessings that God has given us and the gifts that God has given us and the relationships and the, the family, our children, our church family, the job that we have, that, that something happens in our faith, right? Because when we have gratitude and we're thankful to the Lord, it builds up our faith that what he did previously, he will do it again. When we look back in our life and, and we remember how there was difficult times, but, but God provided and God protected, what happens, it goes, all right, there's something inside of me. I don't need to forget this. And, and gratitude helps us not forget how God provided, protected us in the past, and he will do it in the present and the future. And so the gratitude is so important that in our, in our abiding times or even when we're faced with difficult times, when our knee-jerk reaction may be to worry, we need to first go, God, I need to remember your promises. I need to remember in scripture and how you came through for many other people in the, in the, in the past and how you've done it in my life and you're gonna do it again. Gratitude is so important. And when we're grateful, it just paves the way for good thoughts right? When you're grateful, it's almost impossible to have a bad attitude, isn't it? When you're extremely grateful, it, I believe it's very difficult to even worry. The Holy Spirit knows this about us. And then verse seven of Philippians four, it says, what will happen? This is the great promise. It says, in the peace of God, somebody say peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. In other words, it's going to be difficult for you to, to get your mind around this kind of peace, this supernatural peace, a peace that you can't find in any other place. It comes from the Lord. And it's, you try to figure it out, you can't. It's going to boggle your mind. You just have to have faith and trust the Lord. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is a promise that you can receive by faith and that you are to receive it. This is, this is, you have to understand God cares for you so much. He loves you. And if, if this is scripture is true, that if God, if you know that God cares for you, he says to cast your cares upon him, everything that's causing you stress, everything that's tempting you to worry it, whatever area that is, or whoever that is, you can have peace in that circumstance. You can have peace, and not only just a peace for a moment, but peace that will last a lifetime. A peace that you can have will guard your heart and your mind, both. It's like you, this peace is not just a state of mind, it's the presence of Jesus. And Jesus wants to guard your heart and he wants to guard your mind because every day the enemy knows he's the father of lies. And the way that he knows he can distract you, the way that he can blur your vision is because through, through lies, through your thought life. And it's important for us to understand that Jesus wants to give you a, a peace that will guard you from that, guard your heart and in your mind. It says in John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't worry, don't stress this, I've got you. 
He's our shepherd, right? He says in John chapter 10, I am your good shepherd. Psalm 23, it says, for the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? Like we can trust our Lord as our shepherd. And it's interesting as we are his flock, we are his sheep. The sheep don't generally, they don't sit down unless they know they're protected and they're cared for and they're going to be okay. Because if there's ever, if there's any kind of threat of, of wolves or if they're hungry or if there's tents or if there's other sheep that are causing trouble, then a sheep won't be able to lie down in a green pasture. And it was God's will, we know from his word in Psalm 23, that, that we lie down, that we be at rest, that we be at peace. And you've got to trust the Lord that he will provide for you that he will protect you and he will give you a peace that you can't find anywhere else. He says, in this world, you're not gonna be able to find it. And how often do we look for peace in other places, right? We look for peace in a relationship and a friend. We look for peace in a bottle. We look for peace in medication and we self-meditate with, with, medicate with, with things that maybe only numb or causes pleasure for a moment, but it's not peace that will last a lifetime. And Jesus has this supernatural peace as a gift that he wants to give you. That even through the most difficult times, through the darkest night, through the the hardest storm, you can have this peace, this inner peace in your heart and your mind that everything's going to be okay. My father's got this. He wants that for you. Isn't that wonderful that we can have this peace of God? And so how do we have peace, not just in a moment, but how can we sustain and have this peace sustained in our life for the lifetime? The scripture says in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The word meditate, it comes from a a Greek word where it means to literally chew, like a cow would chew upon cud, uh, and then it it would just chew it over and over, that we are to think about these things over and over again. Meditate is really, it's a beneficial word because to worry means to think about a negative thought over and over and over To meditate is to think about a good thought over and over and over. He says, meditate on these things, the things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. You'll have the presence of the Lord. What you think about will determine whether you're gonna sense the presence of God with you. You have a choice of what you're going to dwell on, what you're gonna think about. But your thoughts are very, very important. Francis Schaeffer writes in his book, True Spirituality. He says that true spirituality and the Christian life is basically a matter of our thoughts. True spirituality always begins on the inside in our thought world. The external is just the expression or the result of the internal Those things seen outwardly in our lives are always the product of what was thought first. Therefore, thoughts are primary. They are central. So the Lord is giving you his peace. He's done his part, right? But you have a part to play as well. We need to pray like it depends upon God, but we need to do some things on our part as well. 
Like we can't just sit back and whatever difficult time say, God, just as a genie, just change everything. And, and then I don't need to do anything. You, you play an active role of whether or not you're going to have peace. You need to protect this. There's things that we can do. And we've learned that from scripture, right? We can have gratitude. We can rejoice. We need to come to him with prayer. Because Philippians 4.8 gives you eight things to think about, right? There's eight things that you can dwell on when you're tempted to worry. And in your mind, your thought life is very, very important. Like it's it, in your mind is, is much like this, this container of, of golf balls. All right. Like what we think about every thought that you have, uh, you have positive thoughts and these white golf balls will symbolize the positive thoughts. You can think about the gifts that God has given you, your children, your relationships, your church family, your small group, the word of God, scripture, right? The blessings that the Lord has given you, spiritual gifts, the fruit of the spirit, like things that are true, things that are good, things that are noble, things that are good report. These are all positive thoughts. Now we know that in our mind, we don't just always think about positive thoughts, right? There's difficult things. Jesus said in this world, there's going to be trials, right? And we're going to have concerns. Those concerns would be represented with these red golf balls, all right? And so in your mind, you have positive thoughts and then you can have negative thoughts. Now it would be an unhealthy place if all of in our mind, all we had were negative thoughts. We just dwelled upon these negative thoughts. This is what can happen though. When you have both positive thoughts and negative thoughts in your mind, if you dwell upon the negative thoughts and you worry and you're anxious and you're depressed, what will happen is that the white golf balls will eventually start to turn the color of pink. And it'll taint even the, the good thoughts in your mind. And so your thoughts in your mind are very, very important. We say it like this, that the color of your soul is dyed by the color of your thoughts. And so you need to have good thoughts. Like now more than ever in today's age, we need to have good thoughts, right? Things that are pure, things that are good, things that are are holy. These are things that we need to have. Behind me, I want to list these, these words because these are the eight words that we will find in Philippians 4.8. And so I want to challenge you to think things that are true. How often do we think about things when we're tempted to worry that are worst or untrue, that are either bad report or untrue? Like If that's your knee-jerk reaction to a, a situation then I would question whether you have trust in the Lord if you are being a person of faith or not. Worry because we think the worst is going to happen instead of trusting the Lord and saying, you know what, I'm not, we don't know all the facts yet, so I'm not gonna jump to a negative conclusion. A couple of weeks ago, my mother-in-law started noticing that she had blood in her urine. And so she went to the doctor and before she had set up her doctor appointment, we talked about it as a family. And we began to pray and just put our trust in the Lord. But we made a, an effort together that we weren't going to worry about this. And so she made a doctor's appointment and then they, and we need to set you up for a CT scan, which would come about a week and a half to two weeks later. I've watched my mother-in-law over the last couple of weeks, not panic, not give herself over to worry. She still, and I don't know how she does it. She still falls asleep at 8 PM every night but she rests well and she's put her, every time I talk to her in person or on the phone, she's good. 
And we just found out that what was causing the blood in her urine were kidney stones. That's it. But it would have been easy for two weeks for her to mind to go to what could be worst case. But as a woman of God, she put her trust in the Lord and said, I'm not going to put my thoughts upon what is unknown or what would be the worst case, but rather I'm going to trust the Lord and have peace in mind. Every day you can be tempted to worry or to put your trust in the Lord. How many of you know we need to have thoughts that are based upon what is true? Amen. Because the enemy is like, is the father of lies. And the way he gets to you is through lying, through negative thoughts, with fear, and he robs you of your peace. We need to think about what is true, what is noble, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is of good report, what is virtuous, and think and dwell upon these things. And if we do these things and we think about these things, we're going to have the peace of God sustained throughout our life. And the Bible places supreme value in our thought life. So how do we have good thoughts? How do we grow and, and continue to have more good thoughts about the Lord? I believe the number one way that you can have good thoughts as you think about the Lord, that I mean, remember your thoughts about the Lord are perhaps the most important thing about you. You need to have good thoughts about the word of God, have good theology, know his character and nature, know his promises. How are you going to do that? By abiding in the word of God. This needs to be your greatest treasure. You need to, you need to, to, to handle God's word with truth, knowing that it, was, it is God breathed and that this is the source of life and the source of peace. That as you meditate upon the word of God every single day, that you will have the peace of God. So study it. Study God's word and not just study it. I would encourage you to memorize God's word to so elevate it that you're going to hide God's word in your heart. And Psalm 119 says that it promises that God's statues will keep you from being double-minded. He will keep you from being double-minded. And so whatever you're struggling with that could cause you to worry, I would encourage you to study on that topic. What does the word of God say to memorize scripture? I would encourage you to have good thoughts by reading about good books. If you want to have a, a, a mind that's in love with God, then you need to have books that will build you up. Whatever you listen to, the kind of music, evaluate what you are having thoughts upon in your mind. And I would encourage you, if you're struggling with, with worry, to withdraw yourself from what you're reading or watching on the news or on the media or social media and spend more time feeding yourself upon the word of God and upon worship music and good friends and have good thoughts about the Lord. And you watch how you will begin to change. Scripture tells us in Philippians 4, again, this is how to have the peace of God. A lot of times we don't have peace of God because we envy something that we don't have in others right? We're, we're not satisfied with where we're at in life. Paul knew this. That's why in Philippians 4, 12 and 13, he says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being what? Content. I, he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul knew that the source of his strength, the source of peace would be the peace of God, but he had to learn something. He didn't say this just happened overnight or in one moment 
Paul said, I have learned to become content. For us, it is a learning experience. It takes development to be content. But a lot of times we're not content, right? We want to have more. We want to have more money. We want this situation to be right. Then we will have peace. And, and Paul says, you know what? I, I, I've learned to be content and trust God. Whatever my lot in life is, whether I have much or I have nothing. Remember, Paul's writing from prison. He doesn't have anything, right? But he has learned to become content. He is trusting the Lord in every situation. He has a relaxed mind, a mind that is trusting the Lord, and he has peace in God. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor wheat reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one day, one cubit, of his stature. Verse 28, he says, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? It's interesting, right? Jesus is writing in an agrarian society and he's seeing people so struggled and upset and and he's like, just meditate on the birds and the flowers. It's almost like a kind of a hippie thing. That, but Jesus is like, he's like, slow down and just look what's going around you and, and know there's cues and what I've, clues and what I've created that will help you. He says, for all these things, the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your peace. God, you see what we're few for your word. We thank you for your peace. God, you see what we're facing in life. You see that these feels like these are the end times and there's temptation to worry about our health, finances, the future. But I pray that you would help us, Lord, as your children that you care for, that you are providing for, you've protected us. Just in your own words right now, would you just be grateful for the Lord? Would you just lift up your own voices to the Lord right now? And just say, th thank him for whatever comes to your mind right now. Just thank him. Lord, we thank you right now. We want to be a people that are not entitled. But Father, we want to say thank you for providing for us in the past. Thank you, Father, for protecting us. Thank you for being our source of life, our source of love, joy, and peace. We thank you, Holy Spirit. 
as we worship you, Father. I pray that we could put our trust in you right now. If you've been struggling with anxiety or worry, you've given yourself over to these things, maybe this needs to be a moment of repentance. You've missed the mark here. It's not God's will. And so in our time of worship and our time of prayer right now, which is so important as we're in the presence of the Lord, Lord, I pray that we would trust you. Forgive us where we've come up short and we've been robbed of peace and joy and life in our life. Lord, I pray that we would bring back our focus to you and to think on things that are true and noble and praiseworthy and good report. May our eyes be focused on your kingdom and your righteousness. And as a result, all these things will be added to us. Father, we don't have to try to control all of these things. We put our trust in you. Father, we trust in you right now and not lean on, lean on to our own understanding. But in all our ways, Father, we acknowledge you and we know that you will direct our paths. Father, you've got this, that we don't have to worry. We worship you.